Welcome to Start Late, Finish Strong. I'm Julie. And I'm Neely, and we're here with a little coffee and conversation between two unlikely friends who just happen to find a common path through running. We are non-elite runners who came to running later in life, and we are here to share our journey with you. We are running coaches or nutritionists. We just love to run, and we love the community that we found through running. What started as four runners has grown into hundreds of runners sharing their struggles, victories, and miles with each other. With the motto of all faces, faces, and races, the Stephenville Running Club encourages all runners to set goals and seek growth. Our conversations will dive into training highs and lows, grit to gadgets, and mindset to motivation. We hope to introduce you to our community of runners through discussions that help us all get better. We hope you'll stay right here with us for the long run. Welcome back, everyone, to the Start Late, Finish Strong podcast. I am Neely, and I am here with Julie, and we are just so excited to come and chat with you um, again about running, and it's our passion. Um, so, Julie, how is how are things going? I know that we both had a race recently where we ran 26.2 miles in Houston. So, how's it going for you? It is going really well if I walk um, gingerly and with some support. No, I'm teasing. Not a lot of um, terrible recovery issues. Um, we'll talk about some of those recovery issues later in the podcast, but we did want to kind of bring to you, uh, several of us went to Houston. And of course, the, the podcast today, we're going to focus on uh, being race day ready. Um, and we'll talk about what we're going to do about that. But we've got to address our, our previous weekend. So, Neely, um, I had a great, great race. I was blessed and honored to be able to be alongside two amazing friends doing their very first marathon. First and marathoners. I think it's you so can exciting. agree. Like, first mar- like, that just feels good to, like, tackle something that you don't know what to expect. And so that was really fun to get to be part of their their journey. They actually could have killed it so much more had I not been slowing them down, but um, super proud of them. And, and actually proud of myself because I have a very, um, uh, well, I'm known to be very persistent in my encouraging of mm-hmm. others. And mm-hmm. uh, Kathleen Huckabee, I can tell you that for, uh, I don't know, probably five years of running together, she told me she would never run a half marathon <laughs> and she just accomplished her marathon. So again, it's her race, it's her victory, but man, I feel pretty confident that it was partly my victory getting her out there. So absolutely, it felt good. How was your race, Neely? I want you to talk now, if you follow Neely on social media, um, then you would have already gotten part of this recap. But if you don't follow Neely Carler, you should, because his recap on race days are really amazing. And they would bless your um, performance as well. But I want to talk to you a little bit because I want you to refer back to some of your your um, goals and that you had going into your expectations. But um, I already told you this, but kudos to you, brother, because I think your performance was huge and it had nothing to do with running. Well, so first of all, for, for, for me, Houston was a fun opportunity because it is a flat course. And so it's radically different than going to Dallas or mm. San Antonio or Cowtown. You're right. <laughs> because the course is just, it's an easier course to run. And so that I was excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, not excited about Houston because 
I mean, let's be honest, folks. Like, we're North Texas people, so Houston, you know, typically. But it was an amazing race. Very well well done. But going in, um, I had some thoughts on what I wanted to do um, leading up to, to the race. Um, the goal was to, to break 310, which my previous best, or my, my still current best, is 313 and change uh, at last year's Cowtown. So um, 310 is a, is a big, a big goal. And I think for me in racing, I think I would rather err on the side of like being aggressive and try for the big goal. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry about my cough. Uh, than to like, you know, play it a little more conservatively. And that might change, you know, as I as as, as things go on. But as of right now, I think I'm I'm definitely more of an aggressive racer. So the thing about Houston that's really great is that it is a flat course, mostly straight, um, a lot of shade, even though the sun did start to come up and get a little warm, but it, it was, you're, you're protected uh, a lot better than in most races. So I still have to say that, that, that pacing for me was incredibly easy at Houston. And so had a goal um, to start off a little bit easier. So Roughly speaking, just general terms, let's say that I want to average around 715s for the entire race-ish, um, 710, 715, somewhere. Now, let's just say that's just using numbers because the details can sometimes get away from me. But um, I knew that the first mile needed to be much slower than that. And so tip number one that I'll give you is instead of starting with the like the 310 pace group, um, I started with the 345 pace yeah. group. And so um, just, to, just to kind of fill you on how that works with it works at a big race, there's, there's people who are holding a sign that says, you know, a, a certain number, and, and they're pay, try, going to pace you to the finish of that time. So if it's three hours, 10 minutes, you find the three hours, 10 minutes pacer, stay with them, and you'll get there. Or if it's four hours, 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Both are yes. available. There's yes. all sorts yes. of paces in between there. All paces are, are there. But anyway, I say that to say that I started – with a slower pace group because I knew I wanted my first mile to be a little slower. Mm -hmm. So it, it came out to be, I think, a 745-ish, which is exactly where I wanted to be. Wow, that's good discipline um, because it's hard yes. with the hype of, of a Corral A yes. runners. Yes. Corral know, A was, yeah, there was, some, yeah, there yeah. was some fast people. Um, and so, um, and then from there, just wanted to stick with with the easier pace uh, through, you know, through, through mile two, and so I was in the 720s, and then, so I, I was, and after that, my goal was to stay between 710 and 720s, and I, it was perfect, and so I just say that to say Houston provided a great way to pace, because you're not going up and down hills, which is going to mess with your pace, because mm -hmm. you want to stick with effort, maintain effort, not pace, is a, is a great rule of thumb for a marathon, you don't want to, to use all your effort going uphill at Cowtown at mile nine, uh, because then you're done, um, and it's going to adversely affect the end of your race. So anyway, all that to say, um, I got to, to mile 20 and I was cruising along. Things were going great. The wheels came off then and um, yeah, I could feel the, the cramps coming on. And uh, I felt that. Explain before. that a little bit, Neely, because I heard you say that too. And, and I know what you're talking about. But some uh, runners that are in our group may have not reached a point where they're like, what is that going to be like? Right. And Let's I had never experienced cramps until my first marathon. And so I had no idea what that was until my first marathon. But um, and I don't know what it feels like for everybody else. But I can tell you, for me, it usually starts in the calves, and mm -hmm. it's usually yep. it I feels kind of like electricity is pumping through your calves yeah. in a way that you're like, 
hey, this is not yeah. yes, this yeah. is not normal. I've never felt this before. Um, and so when I start feeling that, now I try to slow down a little bit mm -hmm. um, because I know that the cramps are coming. And uh, for me, on race day is typically going to be the, the the calves and the hamstrings. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, so at about mile 20, I started feeling the electricity coming and I started thinking, oh, we better back this off a little bit to be able to get to the end. Anything different at that point nutritionally you would tell someone? So for me, and once again, when we talk about nutrition, practice everything that you're going to do on race day. But um, I was taking a goo every 30 minutes and I was hydrating every mile. So um, I don't I, I, I'm, I'm certain that I wasn't dehydrated. Um, I, I, you know. I peed afterwards and it was clear. So I'm yeah, just telling you, yeah. I was not dehydrated. It wasn't yellow or whatever. So I, I would feel confident in that. Um, but I didn't change anything nutritionally because I was already doing half an hour um, right. for goo. And and I do half an hour. They say 45 minutes, but I do half an hour just to keep my blood sugar because uh, right. I'm a diabetic and I don't want to. I don't want to get low. So now we're going to talk a little bit more about nutrition um, later from the aspect of two not professional nutritionists, Absolutely. but two different viewpoints. And one thing I would say. Uh, which they did not have on this course in Houston. Um, it was very well served, don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. But um, in Dallas, I was able to have a little bit of pickle juice, salt, oh, yeah, electrolyte yeah. coming in. And that kind of helped, I think, even just, it was a half, so I wouldn't have had the same type of cramping. But um, I think it's important not to not to scare any listener out there, but to kind of take the mystery away of like, what are these cramps? And you see yes. images of people like falling across the finish line or having to drag <laughs> themselves. Um, that happens, I think, with, if you were to continue to push, that could yes. be that case. Um, my, mine actually held off, like like, yeah. like the legs were hurting and sore and tired. But you, um, but you did what you needed to do. But held off until of I had about two tenths to go, maybe yeah. a quarter mile to go. And then the cramps hit. And so, yeah. like, I haven't even looked at my pictures yet. Oh, like, because it might be a little bit of a hobble. I yeah. know <laughs> that I was stiff-legged hobbling trying to get to yeah. But so, so here's the mental battle when that happens. Um, it's like in that moment, it's like, uh, I am probably not going to hit 310. Like I was in great shape through mile 20 to hit 310. At that point, it's like probably not going to happen. So let's start thinking through what's the mental battle that, that we're going to have for the last six miles of this, for the last 10K. What, what's the mental battle going to be? And I think that's the hard part about a race. And um, it's the same way with a 5K, uh, a 10K, a half. Like there's going to come a point in time in that race where the mental battle is going to be waging and it's going to be hard. And so for me at that point, it was like, just keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, because honestly, I wanted to quit. Like, yeah. let's be really, I wanted to quit, but, but, I, but just keep moving forward. And then, there, then, and then you start thinking, okay, if I can't get the goal of 310, what's the next goal that's right. out there? And um, because I'm about to turn 50 this year, um, for the next Boston Marathon that I could re register for, the, the, the 2025, um, I'll be 50. So it means awesome. that uh, for me, the qualifying time is 325. And uh, so I knew that if I could stay in the 315 yeah. range, that's a 10-minute See, this DQ. is what I this So is like, what I let's go. Out. Yeah, exactly. And what I pulled out of it, Neely, was the contentment yes. that you really showed us. And and that is such a great example for you. You're such a mentor to others, to myself, including um, lots of our other runners. But it was the contentment that you showed in, okay, you had a goal. It's like, we well, have to learn maybe to have those plan A, you have a, a plan goal B. B. Yes. And, and where do we sit with contentment? Now, I will also say, this wasn't Jeopardy for you. It wasn't your BQ year. It wasn't like, 
that year where it was so close. Right, absolutely. And that's, that's absolutely. a lot. And, and we can talk about that down the road of really putting the pressure on yourself mm -hmm. as a runner. But um, I think he went into it with the perfect mindset. And absolutely. not that we are uh, promoting or touting Houston, but as far as bigger races go, it's fabulous for uh, crowd support. And we say yes. that a lot. And until you know it, you don't know why we're saying it so much. Because until you experience, you're like, you don't think it's so important, but the crowd support was so important. I remember uh, we were well into the into the back side of the marathon when you make that right hand turn, mm -hmm. and uh, I kept hearing Jody and I kept hearing Julie, and Jody finally turned around. She's like, "They're like saying my name," yeah, and I was like, "It's magical, is it not? <laughs> like you just need it on a big race." So um, it's always been a lesson to me when I do get to be a, a spectator, um, not often, but when I do, um, I just try to really hone in on those names. It's super important. So Houston is very well supported, um, very well supported as far as um, aid and things like that. And we'll talk a little bit more about um, aid and how important that is during the race. But again, Neely, way to go on a fabulous um, race. But I think, like I said, what I love about it most was that I sense such accomplishment and being content you knew exactly what you, you had a big goal, but when you, and like you said, you knew that you still easily got that BQ. Um, so finding Just, that place yes. of contentment. Yes, and, and joy even. Like for, yes. for me, the more the further away, I'm so happy. Um, and let me just say this too. If you ever run a marathon, it doesn't matter if it's a five hour marathon, six hour marathon, I was just it, thinking it's, 30 it's seconds. It's a marathon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's 26.2 yeah. miles of, of destroying your body. Like, yeah. it's hard. It's like, a different uh, beast for sure. Um, I did not PR in Houston, which is okay. I My my PR is in Chicago, which is fine. Um, and it still didn't hit my goal, but, you know, I'm not discouraged. I can't wait to get to try again. Um, and I think you just nailed it. You know, going into marathon training or, or thinking, could you, I want, man, that first one. And that's one thing Kathleen kept saying is, you know what? It's my first. It does, you know, it's just about finishing. And then, you know, when you go on the second and third, then maybe start setting some realistic goals of where you want to be. Because I think being goal-driven is super important. Like we're going to talk like in the race moments, you're going to have to have that mental plan of where do I need to be? If I'm not there, what do I need to do to get there? But now let's and, go and your goal impacts your training. And that's oh, a huge thing, huge thing that when you prepare for race day, like it's the miles beforehand that are the important miles. Yeah. Like race day itself. And uh, you've said many times, you know, that it's a hundred, it's a hundreds of miles hundreds race. Of miles per um, yeah. But that's what your goals impact your training. And uh, yeah. so. Um, well, and anyway. two, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, these people are crazy. I would never think about a marathon. I'm going to say it again. And, and I know the guy across from me will agree with me that <laughs> I do it, you know, just, just do it. Um, take on that big goal that seems unachievable. Um, and what do you love so much about a marathon? I think I have an addiction to uh, trying to accomplish things that, that I'm scared of, that I think I think I really do probably, I probably can get therapist neatly <laughs> because I think, you know, you go into something, you think it's the hardest thing you've ever done. Now, mark my words, Jason Huffman, I am never doing an ultra. I am very scared of that, but I'm, 
I'm never doing an ultra, but the marathon distance is just like, it feels, for one, it feels, and I'm going to say this word and it sounds like it's not the right word to use, but it feels elite. And I say elite in the sense that like 1% Less of the population. Yes. Uh, so that to be part of a group of people that tackle something that is very challenging. And I love the discipline side of it, Neely. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later too, about continuing to give yourself a goal to shoot for. Um, there is nothing better than marathon training. You know, going through marathon training with Melody and um, Jody and Kathleen and sharing those miles together. I mean, it's it's magical. And um, and that's really where the growth and really where the reward comes. I mean, race day's fun, but man, and you know this, you do this with so many people, like Absolutely. shooting for those goals and watching some of your running partners right now. That has to be so rewarding for Absolutely. you because knowing that you are introducing them to something that's a plan that's harder than anything they've ever taken on. So Absolutely. The reason we're here today, that was our good recap. <laughs> so if you're not sold on Houston, which right now I think the cost is a little discounted. So I know I'm probably ready to pull the trigger on uh, next year's, maybe back to the half just because the time of year. But, um, but Houston is a great road trip. It's a great... Um, opportunity to kind of get a taste of like a big city race that, you know, I mean, Cowtown's big, but Houston's got a different feel to it's it. It's 33,000 runners. Yeah. Cowtown is like 10,000. Yeah. It's so it's a little bit different, but, but if you ever want to take that on, I, I recommend pull the trigger. Let's go for it. You got a year. Um, but what we're here today is to talk about being race day ready. And when this topic came up, we know we visited after the holidays that man, both of our lives have just been a little bit crazy. So we've taken a little bit of a, a break from recording, but I began to think um, we have so many new members in SEMO Running Club, which is fabulous, um, and what we love to do. But we also want to make sure as we sit here and talk to you know, for 30 minutes about marathon running, we want to also address the ones who maybe this is like you're just working to run your first 5K or maybe you're running to a goal of trying to get to a 10K distance. We've got several that are doing that. Absolutely. And that's a huge jump. Like that's a big jump. Absolutely. Um, but we want to also address there is that next jump into the half marathon and marathon distances, which I think kind of set it apart because it goes into that two hour plus time. Yes. And, um, and oftentimes other than our one awesome lions club spooktacular, a half marathon distance is going to always be out of town. Yes. So there's just a lot of components that go into it. And, and Neely, um, I think we, we have about the same amount of years behind us as far as running. And But I can tell you, I still remember being brand new. Oh, absolutely. And, um, we've absolutely. all had those first race experiences. So we don't want to come at it like from an elevated point of view because we've just always been, we've, we've been there. I know what it's like um, to not know what I'm doing or not know what I need. It is interesting too, though. Both of us have about the same number of like i think we ran our first half marathon same, at the same same same, same, same time. time same place yeah, didn't same know each other yeah. um but we both had spouses who who, mm -hmm. who yep. ran there you and go so, um it, it was Trusted maybe, everything you yeah, told me you it, know? it was maybe a little easier for us just yeah. because we had spouses to, to right. lean on but and um, still do like that's you know i i don't know it'd be hard to try to tackle this running habit like all alone i'm absolutely. really thankful that that we do have spouses absolutely. um and I'm just going to say, guys out there who are running single, man, get your person involved. <laughs> like, <laughs> bring right. them out. Um, I love seeing husband and wives run together. but um, Or even 
do the sport together. Yes, it's just there's something about it, about understanding each other. So let's hit off the top with now what you talked about first. Go with yours. So, so let me just start off by saying this. I think race day is the best day. I do too, It's Julie. just fun. It's, it's, it's the a, best. I get giddy. Yes. I, I just like hop around. It's, it's so much fun. But um, so the, one of the big sayings in, in running is nothing new on race day. I think that's a great place to start. Um, so nothing new on race day just means that whatever you're going to do in the race, you need to practice ahead of time. Yes. Um, and so some of the things I'm talking about is what you're going to wear on race day. Wear that for one of your workouts or one of your long runs if you're running. Or multiple. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so that you're, you know where, okay, this, this shirt is going to rub me here. Right. So I need to make sure that I am prepared for anti-chafing mm -hmm. um practice your anti-chafing yeah, and that ends uh, up in our self-care talk neely i think yes. you're addressing my thighs right now <laughs> yes wow. so uh, and and cowtown last year i had a massive massive problem with with uh chafing in my nipples and I, it was it was bad really the bad bloody so, yeah it was, it was really bad um i looked down actually at mile like 25 point nine and i was like i have to take my shirt off because i cannot wear this across the line yeah it was bad so i'll just say that to, to whatever yeah. you're going to wear on race day wear it ahead of time so that you know where where things where you need to to prepare for anti-chafing which is I huge also like how you feel how you feeling yes like yes, let's just yes, be yes, real yes. maybe you guys that go shirtless and just like shorts y'all don't have much <laughs> but for girls like there is such a difference between like you know a cotton a dry fit how all the things fit the sports bra um i don't know be picky about it and yes. really like practice and you want to feel good on yes. race day yes you know you yes, and you so do. i think it matters not just with the chafing aside like how does it feel right yes. you know like um again i've i've ran a lot of miles recently with jody wires so i bring her <laughs> up again she has a favorite race shirt that was a it was from the dallas marathon last or dallas half last year um and having it, she's like, I just love this shirt. It's my love favorite it. shirt. Yeah. So I think you should be really yes. comfortable. Nothing Absolutely. new. Um, that goes into also like your gear. So think about your belt. You will, like Neely already mentioned, nutrition every 30 minutes or so, whatever you've planned, whether it's a half or a full. So a belt for storage, you know, super important. Um, I have several and different models. Um, and I don't know yet if I have a favorite because I keep right. trying new ones and different days, you know, what, you know, does your phone fit if you carry your phone, um, having enough gear, being able to access everything quickly. Um, All those things are really huge and there's no right or wrong answer nope. on those yeah. sorts of things. Like, like I personally carry all my nutrition and all my hydration. So I carried for a Houston marathon, I carried two water bottles wow. um, in my naked band, uh, two soft flask water bottles. I carried six goos. And then I had my phone in, in the back pocket of my shorts. So I carried a lot. Most people would never do that. Um, but these races are going to have hydration and uh -huh. nutrition. So if you're going to go to Cowtown or in February, um, you need to find out what they're using on their race right. um, and, and practice using what they're using. So yeah, um, if they're, if they're sure. using goo you need to, and, and you plan to not carry your own and use what the race has, you need to practice with some goo. If they, mm -hmm. if they carry Martin, if they carry Spring, whatever they're, they're, they're using, 
Um, practice, you can only hope someone would carry spring. That stuff is high dollar. Yeah. I would be taking as much as possible. Yes, I, but it all, was wonderful on this last race. So. At Boston, they had Martin gels, and I nice. was almost like, let's just take everyone. I did take a couple of one yeah. one aid station. I was like, I right, take one and then run down a little ways. See, Neely, with your slender figure, you can afford to have that big inner tube of pack around you. You do feel a bit like a pack rat. Yes, you know, I did stick my uh, throwaway gloves. I went in and stuck those back in the belt as well because I had room. Yep. So just practice with those type of things. Um, I think socks can't be overlooked as well because you mentioned it with blisters and and like you mentioned earlier, yes. um, race day performance can also lead to like different performance in your clothing and your and your socks and stuff. So so maybe um, think about managing your effort level to what that article of clothing did. Like you had mentioned, you got blisters on yep. it. Faster races than you didn't do at normal. Oh goodness, the the heels. Um, the uh, love the the Nike Alpha Fly version one. I love them. Um, they don't work for everybody, and they're very slappy. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, they it's work like a little horse. Yes, like clop, they clop they work really well. And actually, at, when I was hitting the the seven you know oh five to seven fifteen paces, they're not slappy for me. Like it's really fascinating. You're flying like a gazelle. Well, it's just it just hits my stride right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's fascinating how different shoes work different ways. But they but they always rub my the back of, like my Achilles. And so prepared ahead of time this time. I had some band aids back there, and I have no issues at all. Um, but but practicing those sorts of things, practicing even like your pre race, what you're going to do as far as before the race to get to get calories in your body. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a banana, if it's a bagel. Um, I always use a Bobo's before before a race, and I try to do a Bobo's two hours before the race. This is another thing that for those of us who run in the dark um, can sometimes be challenging for us because race day gets here and we're running in the light, and the sun hits you different. Yeah. So practice running in the light if you're gonna if it's yeah. gonna be an. Did that affect you with glasses? Because I mean, I had my sunglasses on pretty early in Houston because that that sunny run was beautiful. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, but, for sure. And, yeah, and, you're right. and if you're and if you're a coffee drinker who drinks coffee before a race, I do. Once again, that's two hours. So that uh, because coffee does make things flow through the starts system. Moving. Everything um, starts moving. And so, like for me, making sure that I have ample opportunity to go to the bathroom. Um, that's that's a huge thing. So two hours beforehand for my coffee and my bobos. Those are really important for me. Um, and I would just encourage you to, to whatever you're going to do before race day, yeah. practice that ahead of time. And if it's a 7.30 race start, practice, you know, getting up at whatever time for me would be oh, 5, yeah, yeah, 5.30. Yeah. Um, drink your coffee, eat, eat whatever you're going to eat. And then, you know, have that same amount of time that you're going to have on race day. So that on no race surprises. day, yeah. your body has experienced what you're experiencing because right. no matter what you're doing, and, and I think... For race, like you don't need to go run a practice marathon where you're running the whole thing at, at, at race pace. I'm not telling you that at all. But inside your long runs, like maybe there's a mile where you run, you know, towards the end of your long run at race pace so that your body feels what it's like to run race pace, goal, goal pace, lay on tired legs. I think that's an important step too. So just practicing every single thing that you're going to do on race day, if you can practice that ahead of time, you're introducing it to your body ahead of time. So your body's not surprised on race day, right. which is I really that's important. That's really important. Um, and I even hear, I noted, you know, if, if you haven't done a lot of bigger races, um, not as big of a deal for local 5Ks, they have the bib ready for you. They've got ample pins. Um, 
at bigger races, you're gonna be picking up that packet ahead of time. Just being, you know, I have a little uh, noon canister that has extra pins in it, like probably 50 pins, like I'm never gonna need those, but they're in right, my overnight right. bag. Um, just because pinning on that bib, making sure that all of that is comfortable. You know, people who aren't runners and maybe even people who are runners may judge, judge the flat Brinkley uh, photo off that we often have <laughs> oh, we've yes, done it for absolutely. five years. Um, it's it's very trendy amongst the runners. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we understand it, but it is almost like a checklist. If you'll notice, like I've got sunglasses, shocks, blah, blah, yes. blah, all the things out and ready, uh, bib pinned on. Um, let's talk for just a minute. You kind of touched on it with Glide, um, but let's talk about self-care. You know, something, and I mean, not to be awkward, but the distance, you know, of a 5K or 10K doesn't do the same things on your body um, as a longer race, uh, either in inclement conditions, like with it being warmer, your sweat can make things do different things. Um, with it being colder or like recently running through 13.1 miles in Stephenville in yes. the rain, and in puddles up to your ankles, that caused a different type of situation. So of course you can't practice that kind of stuff, but um, trimming of the toenails. You can <laughs> yes, you, you don't need to show up on race day to run 26.2 yeah. miles or even 13.1 miles with toenails that are too long. Yeah, then, and you may not think yeah. it's too long. It may, you know, your your pedicure may look beautiful, <laughs> but if the, the friction of the toenail at the, at yes. the end of your shoe, um, yes in different situations can also cause problems. So coming from someone that has nine um, <laughs> and sometimes eight, depending on if that yes. second one falls off again. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, it's just part of it. But if you keep them trimmed, I think a lot of that can be avoid, yes. avoided. Um, and also like self-care as far as like massaging or really foam rolling. I, massage sounds very luxurious. Um, <laughs> what I really mean is foam rolling, which is terribly painful. But using those lacrosse balls, yes. getting into that muscle fatigue, and keeping stuff, those yeah. things really, um, especially if you've traveled a whole day yes. to get there, you know, just making sure you're staying up on that. Um, and also, I put sunscreen on there. You know, Houston was cold, but I got you know a couple little uh, tan. I, I tan really easy. But if you don't, you might be surprised that that could um, end up with quite a sunburn. You, you mentioned sunscreen, and like you're gonna get. You're going to be exposed yeah. uh, if you're out there for a four or five hour race. You're going to be exposed, and so sunscreen's a good idea. If it's super windy, taking oh, that Vaseline, yeah. like on these big races, they're going to have Vaseline. Yes, uh, Vaseline's on the, the old tongue depressor-looking thing where you can rub that. On. But just doing the things that are going to keep you from being windblown and sunburned afterwards, and just make yourself less miserable. Yeah, true. Uh, you know the thing with Glide. You mentioned Glide. Um, Glide is a, a product that it's kind of the equivalency of maybe like deodorant consistency. Mm -hmm. Actually, Claire told me that's she just has always used deodorant. Yes. You could you probably yeah, probably, probably a little cheaper. Fine. I don't know. But Glide is a product you can get and you want to rub that in all the places that might have some friction. Yes. Um, I did rub that on the places that have friction, <laughs> but it was not enough. Um, I actually chafe all the time on a collarbone, like right okay. here on a on a shirt. Like is it just your skin weird, is always yeah. different. So uh, Glide is a great investment. But like Neely said, I wouldn't have known this about a big race um, until I needed it, that the, the Vaseline on sticks yes. is for that reason. And so I did swipe some in, uh, in Houston just to, on yes. the run, be able to do it. My underarm area was kind of starting to burn a little bit. Um, so those are things to think about. And let I'm let me throw, of... throw another pre-race thing out that I had never done until the Boston Marathon, and that is gear check. 
um, at oh, least yeah. big races, there's always yeah. gear check. And I've never done that right. like at all. I'm like, that's, that's too high maintenance. I don't need to do that. Um, I did it in Boston because I knew it was going to be rainy and chilly uh, and those sorts of things. So afterwards, being able to put on fresh, at least like some, some sweat bottoms, change of shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, I did that for the Houston Marathon and it was it. glorious. Like, and um, like at Houston, you go inside um, the, the, the convention center. Um, there is something going on yeah, that's in really BPT loud. that I hope the building doesn't mm-hmm. fall down on us. But anyway, working on this even, um, maybe. maybe. But anyway, um, being able to go in to the convention center afterwards mm-hmm. and get my bag out of gear check, and it's super organized at these big races, and be able, being able to, all right, I'm going to take my race shoes off. I'm going to put on some sweatpants. I'm going to put a different pair of shoes on. I'm going to have a jacket that I can that I can wear. Warm. Um, you can put in some some snacks and some mm-hmm. food of your own if you don't want to have the post race snacks. Dry like, socks, like dry socks, all of the things that can make your life uh, a little bit easier mm-hmm. to getting that. You know, like for for me, it was almost a mile back to my hotel. Right, that's the and miserable so, part. <laughs> so, like you know, once again, um, those are things that I'd never done until mm-hmm. until Boston, and and it was came in clutch there and I would say I'm probably gonna gonna gear check it at Cowtown. Just yeah. it's a little easier. Just can, yeah. yeah. And and you can stick you know a hat, whatever you want in there that actually just, that's a fabulous to make idea. yourself feel fresh after you get to finish. For many of our SRC runners doing Cowtown, we should um do that. For one, we could have our red uh team yes. Yes. pullover yes, yes, in yes, there yes. and then we can do our hanging out and cheering for people. Um, with and maybe smell a little bit better than yes. I did last year. But yes. um, that being said, too, not to oversimplify it, just addressing it if you don't know, the gear check tag is usually on the top or the side of your bib. Yes. Um, and what you pick up your bib in that bag is typically what your gear is checked in. So um, don't uh, you know rip that off and think it's not for you. Um, that That is your gear check tag. And also, like you mentioned, um, in Boston, when the start and the finish is so far away, yes. that's really super important. In New York, you know, we we stay pretty close to the start to the finish, not right. to the start, but to the finish. So it's not a big issue. We just can make it to right. the hotel, but um, but super convenient if you're at a bigger yes. race that you don't know logistically where, how long is it going to take me to get back mm-hmm. to where I need to be. Um, so we did want to talk about a big race. And when I say big race, I really just mean not local, yes. you know, I mean, not that, I mean, cause we love our, our hometown half that's here, but when you go to a, a larger area to do a race, like Neely mentioned 33,000 was Houston. Houston's what they said at, yeah, before the race. About uh, 45,000 at Chicago last year. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a big overwhelming um, experience, but let's talk a little bit about getting into corrals and, and I want to address your um, pre-race outfit so, <laughs> that you had this this uh, last weekend. If you didn't catch us on Facebook with Neely's starting outfit, it was somewhere between Mike Myers and uh, Jason. Uh, uh, you know, I heard Unabomber too. Like, uh, Unabomber. I, I, I was thinking, I was getting that vibe. Mike you Myers, a, yeah. You would have um, had a hockey mask. Oh my so, goodness. So here's the thing. Um, as a runner, if you're not already looking at all times for something warm um, that's very cheap or free or something along those lines, you're missing out. Because when you go to these races, 
Um, Cowtown, it's likely going to be chilly. Yeah, before, you never know before the race. But if you if you have something that's really big and, and and is disposable that you can just get rid of that you bought for five bucks or less or whatever, I always um, look when I'm cleaning out the closets daily. I have a pile yep. for garage sale. I have a pile for giveaway. Whatever. I have a pile for throwaway. Yes. Meaning that's my throwaway gear yes. that I'm okay to let go of it. Even sometimes it's older race jackets yes. and things that I don't wear. Yes. Man, I keep them. No reason to get rid of them because I might need them for a throwaway at a race. Yes. And most of those bigger cities, they actually collect those the articles yeah. of clothing and they put them in a clothes pantry. Or yeah, they'll give them to Goodwill or whatever. For, yeah, so goodwill. it's just recycling. Yeah. And uh, somebody who needs Even it. Even blankets yes. are great ideas. Yes. Uh, bathrobes, bathrobes from yeah. thrift shops. And you look amazing. You know, I mean, it's, you're really making a statement with the bathrobe. But let us just address the brown coveralls. <laughs> These it are was, coveralls. Uh, yes, and I got them from from my church, St. Luke's uh, Episcopal Church. We, we have a, uh, a a clothes pantry where um, folks can come in and do shopping and those sorts of things. And, and I was like, hey, I'm going to go shopping at my church. And I found several outfits. The, the one I wore for Houston was brown work coveralls, and they were glorious, and they were perfect. You didn't know if he was going to get down on, like, on a roller board to get <laughs> under your car. <laughs> or if he was going to like attack you with a knife somewhere in between but Neely was warm it was because great. the thing you should know too when you get into your corrals um you could be in your corral for 45 yes. minutes yes and and so we made that mistake last year in houston i uh, know i'm sorry two years ago in houston the start time early start time the temperature was 26 degrees Whew. well it was a little bit like it was, yeah, yeah, um, it was a little, little bit colder than this year um and i was not prepared why? Because I thought it's Houston. Right. I don't need heavy clothes. I had shorts, a singlet with a shirt under it. So I thought I'll be fine because we do know as runners, and I will attest to this, I think almost everyone except for Claire Cole warms up after a mile. <laughs> right. After a mile, that you don't girl need can it. run in yeah. a parka and be just fine. But <laughs> most of us, you, your body will warm up yes. at a mile, but you don't want to be over chilled starting. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I think that's super helpful. And let me back up a little bit about this whole corral thing. If you're new to the corrals, the corrals are just where they're going to place you before the race. And you're like, well, how do they know where to place me? Well, when you sign up for a big race, you tell them your predicted race time or your predicted goal pace for the race. Um, one thing that I think is really super important is to be honest there. Yes. Um, when I first started signing up for races. For your own benefit, not for anybody else's yes. necessarily, but for your benefit, be I, really honest. I would, I would always sell myself a little short. Mm -hmm. And so then at the first of the race, I'm trying to weave through all these people who are, See, who are going much slower than me. And so the important thing is. with your potential too, because yes. you know, you might need to be in a higher, you know. Yes. And so. Like for, for Houston, I was in Corral A, and let me just say this, 30,000 30, runners-ish, and there were five corrals, A, B, C, D, and E corral. So like these are massive amounts of people yeah. in each corral. Like, and so in each corral, you want to you kind of go to the people that are going to be running about your pace. And um, in those corrals is where you're going to find the pace groups that probably hit close to where yes. you're, you're at. Um, and I agree with you. Being authentic is going to get you in the right place to be yes. because the metering of the runner is so important. Yes. If you've ever been at a race that is not well metered or controlled, you know, you hate to, they're, they're awful grumpy sometimes at the yes. entrance of the corrals. And, and sometimes you can have an attitude about that, but man, they're there for a reason. Yes. Um, that's my biggest complaint about Nashville rock and roll series. They're not very picky 
Yes. And anybody could go anywhere. Um, which you think, oh, fun. We spent the entire <laughs> race like weaving and yes. uh, just feeling off, just feeling congested and bottlenecked yes. too. So those things, the corral is, is there for reason. So, you know, participate. Now I will say too, Neely, if you're in a group, um, there is no harm in falling back in a crowd yes. to be with your people. Yes, that's absolutely. totally doable. You absolutely. can never roll up. Right. Um, so if you end up registering with a group and and you have intention of running together, you might want to coordinate kind of what you're, you know, who's because maybe somebody was feeling insecure and went way, you know, slower, and somebody thought we can pull it off, and right. but it might throw you in a different corral. And, um, you know, it did Dana and I for the this race because okay. I think my times were going in as a full. Okay. But we had hoped right. we could stay the first eight together, right. you know, before we, we went Small, off yeah. to do the full. But it threw him to a, a lower uh, corral to D, which was not the corral for him. Right. He spent a lot of time like weaving and, yes. you know, which is also good for your confidence. You'd rather have to <laughs> weave and pass people than be zoomed by right. you know um, but it can be frustrating uh with the actual effort yes. of weaving can be you waste we'll a lot to, of energy yeah Absolutely. we'll have to talk about that in a future yeah. podcast for sure but to wrap it up and not and, and we still got a lot to unpack here because one of the biggest things i think about being race day ready is the mental prep work yeah do you have a mantra or anything that you say during during while you run do you do, you do that are you a mantra person i, I I spoke out a bunch this last race, like you can do this. Like I talked to myself, but um, I think just staying, I mean, it sounds cliche to just say, stay super positive. Uh -huh. But for me, your mental, like absolutely zero negative talk. Yes. Like zero, like just don't even allow it. And I, I believe that even in the prep, the training leading mm -hmm. up to it, um, the, the mental self-talk. And I think you exhibited really well how you walked us through the, your race and when you knew you had to re-correct mm -hmm. and things weren't where they were. Be prepared for that type of Absolutely. thing. But I mean, even like um, mental self-talk too could be something as simple as getting your head around the mileage. Like you said this, and I believe in this too. It was advised to me in Chicago from a really amazing runner, Julie, stay in every mile. Run the That's mile you're in. The mile you're in. Run the mile you're and in. And I looked at her on this was the 5K morning, so I had 24 hours to think. Okay, I got to figure out what right. you mean right. <laughs> before tomorrow. And you know, it came to mind so many times during that run. And it is it is a powerful concept, not an easy one, because I am a chunker. I will chunk the miles. I will divide the miles. I'm not much of a math person, Neely, until I start running. And then I'm like a mathematician. I'm like, let me figure out how many tenths of this and that yep. and how you can put together the pattern of these running the miles. Right. But something as simple as um, staying in the mile, definitely. But to get over any intimidation, I think it's real important, too, to like, I would double check. Like when we got down to the six mile mark, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, like, I almost visualize myself, okay, like I'm starting out from my house right now. Right, like this is like absolutely. my normal, yep. um, you know, and honestly, I'll just humble myself right now. I had to get up on the treadmill uh, yesterday because I thought I made it to Runaway Bay. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm the one who sent these dang miles. And I was two miles off, oh, 1.7 no. off. Oh, no. So what did I do? Got up on that treadmill. There and I was go. like, okay. So I start going and I'm looking, okay, I'm like, I got one more mile to go. And I'm like, I actually visualize myself around the, 
you know, we, as yep. a runner, you kind of get a really good barometer for like distance. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, like I'm probably around the corner because I was in on the treadmill, yep. which I hate anyway. But I think that mental yes. visualization of a finish, Absolutely. you know, we know kind of where we're at at Tarleton campus when we have about three miles to come back. Yep. You know, we kind of know those things. Mama Sheets. Mama Sheets yeah, is a, bit, is a, is a mile it. and a half from my house. Yes. Mama Sheets. So it's like, you Absolutely. know, okay, I know those those steps are yes. so like second nature to us. I yes. think you have to kind of channel yes. that into your mental. And once body. again, you're teaching your body. All right. I have Mama Sheets to my house left. Yes. Like your body has experienced body that before. Yes. This. And so you've trained your body for that moment. So you get over the fear because yes. I think there's a real fear. And I have humbled myself before saying this. And I don't feel stupid saying it. I thought that I may not make it to the end of my very first five. Right. And and I would tell you, I thought I would make it to the very first 10K. I mean, every yep. time I up my distance, it became this unknown of yes. how will I be able to do this? So I think that mental um, yes. visualization, visualization really I helps. I, um, I, I am a mantra person. And, and this race I did run the mile i'm in i yes. said that probably a million times yeah. uh, but the other one that i have that i use a lot is um is to uh to maintain the effort because oh, um, when you run here hills and such you know you want to go faster or go slower or or, or you want to try to speed up to go uphill and when you shouldn't um so just maintain mm -hmm. the effort Ooh, um that's big that, really i use that one a lot because it just gets your headspace into like okay what i'm doing now i just gotta keep doing it just do it just keep yeah. doing it because I think, too, that's going to help. Not that it's a terrible strategy, but there's a lot of mental talk after the race yes. as well. And yes. I, I believe some of that's good, but some of it can be harmful. Like we all were already, I was already like not even out of the, the finishers area right. before I was thinking, dang, we could have skipped those last two, three ones. Right. And we could have made up the, you know, we right. were 30 seconds under right. uh, the five, are which is fine. Pushing, yeah. We're there. But it's like, what could we have done? Just be you know? happy that you finished I the was, race. I exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I think too, that's a healthy yes. movement of already thinking, uh, how could we improve? Absolutely. And and Going I think uh, one more thing, we kind of skipped over it, and and I'll address it because um, you are hearing, you know, between Neely and myself, two very different runners. Okay. I mean, you are as close to elite as I'll ever be able to sit across the table from. Uh, and I, I will that, tell you, you are, you're really good. And that's okay. I'm just saying we're totally different. Runners. Sometimes the mindset is different. I will say that. Um, it's just a different mindset sometimes, but not all the time, yeah. but sometimes. But we, yeah. but we have so much Absolutely. of the same passion. But let's just talk Most about the time, music. It's all the for same. For one minute. Okay, music. <laughs> I don't do music. I don't this do music at where, all, but you do, yeah. This is where we differ. And I think I, I told Dana this today. I was like, here's the thing. I think from somebody like myself, we sometimes equate like that we listen to music as a weakness. Oh, not at all. No, no. Because yeah, yeah. listen, you know, because you, I'm sorry, like you're one of the greatest runners that we all know in our club that we know as a personal connection to. And then we've got our Iron Man. Guess what? Iron Man don't do music either. Yeah. Neely doesn't do music. You get this air about oh, like I need the music, mm -hmm. so does that make me weaker? I am here to tell you, you are not weaker no, with not music. But it doesn't mean you have to have music. Some people don't prefer yeah. it. Um, and if and there are, like I would say, actually, I mean, it's mainly like triathlon type things that it may be written in 
the requirement. I think there's one raised out. I think uh, the not the big. It's not Big Ben. What is the one out in California that we thought about doing? Oh, Big I'll have Sir? to come back. Big Sur. Big, Big Sur. Sur, no no headphones. Okay. No no ear. So there's a yes. little bit of a, that's of course sometimes for safety. safety reasons, it's a safety yeah. reason. So I think all of that sometimes make a newer runner think like, oh, does that make me like, because I need it. Right. Not but it all. doesn't. I think yeah. it makes you like, it's a passion. And it's one of those things like we talk about being race day ready. If that's what you do when you train, then you definitely need it on race day. Absolutely. You know? and, and Houston, the marathon, there was there were speakers like almost the whole thing. Oh, I know. You didn't and, even need them because there, so there were so signs. I don't know if you saw the signs, but there, there were signs that said studies show that uh, when you when you when you work out to music, it can really help your heart get into a rhythm that helps take you to the finish line. Yeah. So absolutely, it is a great idea to, to listen well, to music. Well, they really and, honed in on yeah. it hard in, in Houston, I will tell you. Those random speakers. They were, they were Bluetooth speakers all on the back half, which was nice because you could tell they really made an effort. Yes. When they knew crowd would be lower, they really picked it up with the music. Yes. But all that to say, that was one suggestion <laughs> um, that Kathleen sent in to me today. She was like, you know, I think... The idea of a really strong playlist is a really great idea. Yes. And I have made a habit for years now of making yes. a playlist yes. around a really big race. And what's so special about that is my first, I still have my first New York City half playlist. And so sometimes on a training run, just going out, I'll like, oh, I want to listen to yes. that today. And it brings back so many great memories. Mm -hmm. And that's that. That's what running is all about, yes. is bringing you to a yes. place that you find joy and happiness, and that will bring me right back yes. to what it felt like. So I made a new playlist this time, and I'm That's just going to awesome. tell you, I know you don't listen to music, but this <laughs> would change your life really. <laughs> I made a quick call, all my kids, I texted all my kids, and uh, and bo new boys, the new son-in-laws as well, and, um, and my mama and my daddy. To send me in, oh, to send me, I was like, hey, yeah. just tell me, me like, give me your best hype song. That's Love what I told it. my kids. To my mom and daddy, I just said, hey, send me your favorite song because right. when it comes up on my playlist, I want to really think about you. Neely, other than the fact that the crying was a little bit oh, hard to keep my running going, sure. it was super emotional that. and I spread it out all throughout um, the playlist. And so I'm just telling you, when you tackle something that maybe it seems super scary, you won't feel alone with, you know, kind of planted support. Absolutely. And um, not to mention, Absolutely. you know, we can't all just like get a little faster, you know, with a little Eminem or uh, yes. Taylor Swift, if you're Swifty. Tatum's, of course, was Taylor Swift. Of course. So let's just talk, and we're going to wrap it up, guys, because we've gone super long, but that's what you get for not hearing us for a couple that's months. Right. Um, let's talk just a smidge about post-race blues. And, and how to remedy that. So this is something that I did. I experienced without noticing in myself until I saw my friend Matt finish his Ironman and then come back and just, I would say, struggle with motivation. Right. Um, after Boston, um, which I'll just, just to be honest, the Boston Marathon is unlike anything I've ever done. Right. And it was so incredible. But all of a sudden, like the just the daily grind is just harder. Um, yeah, because, because how do you address the fact you worked so hard yes. to get to that place and now you did it? Yes. Where, I've accomplished yes. what I wanted to accomplish. What's next? And and I know that there's always something next and there's always, you know, like trying to do better or trying to just maintain. Like, just let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. We're getting older. I know, Neil. And, I'm uh, so glad you're coming to the Club. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to not continuously yeah. set personal bests. It's okay. Um, but just trying to figure out how to maintain. And, and 
and really just how to, to just continue to enjoy the community that we're in yes. because that's really where yes. it's at. Um, but that said, it's hard when you get to a huge race to come off of that and say, okay, what now? And, yeah. um, you know, you might be, it would be one like Julie, who, like you are, like you, you're constantly, constantly <laughs> registering for more races. You so just that keep you, one registered, Julie. Just it's a great one out. Just keep just, one out. Just keep, keep one, out. one out there. And, um, and like for me, after coming off of Houston, this time, not hard for me to stay motivated because right now, I, I am so excited to get Matt Miller to the finish line way more quickly than he believes he yeah. can for Cowtown, for the Cowtown Marathon. And so, like, I, I, I typically don't do this, but I came back and, like, took one day off. And I'm I like, know, I I'm, saw running, you I'm running on Tuesday <laughs> uh, because I sent Matt a, a message and I said, you will be there and I will be there with you because we are going to do this. And I get emotional thinking about it, but yeah. I just believe in him so much. And I know that coming off Ironman was tough, but these last 30 something days, we're going to crush it. And yeah. so, no, um, have it maybe, maybe the key is to have motivation outside of yourself. Yes. Maybe that's oh a, my a God, Neely, you just and, nailed it. Why do you think we're here? For you, you and I, that's, that's super easy. But I'm just going to yeah. tell, like, a lot of people, like, they, they don't post in, in the Steamville Run Club because they, they feel like, well, I'm not as fast as this and that either. I'm just telling you right now, you have no idea who needs That's to right. see your post. Or who is going to motive? Who will be motivated because of what you're experiencing or sharing the good, the bad, the ugly, yes. all of it. Um, but I agree with you. I think once you let go of yourself enough to pour into someone else's journey yes. so that they get a piece of what you yes. feel, um, yes. that feels amazing, which is why we do what we do, Absolutely. which is why Stephenville Running Club is what it is. And, and it's so much more important, the community that is being built right here than it is the miles that we're running. Absolutely. But Neely, another great time visiting with you. Absolutely. got to wrap it up. Guys, we're so thankful that you listened. Um, I guess you can hit subscribe and things like that, but we'll keep posting this one right here um, in our our group. And it'll also be available on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So until I think next week, we'll surprise you with a new topic. We I don't know actually what we're going to talk about next time. What do you think? I have no idea. You know what? Maybe you could let us know <laughs> if you follow us on uh, Facebook. Give or, us suggestions. Yeah, give us some suggestions on what you'd like to hear us um, dive into. We'd be glad to do it. So until then, we'll talk to you soon. All right. We, we hope, hope you'll stay with us for the long run. run.